You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. Well, good morning and welcome to City Church. Once again, my name is Hunter Levine and I'm the SALT director here, which means that I get the opportunity of working with our college students who call this church home. Our church is actually a part of a network of churches called the SALT Network. And what we do in this network of churches, it's a family of churches that work together to try to help plant and start more churches in cities where there's college campuses so that we can continue to see the next generation raised up as disciples of Jesus Christ. So that's what we do on Tuesday nights with our college ministry, but also through our groups and leadership program. But it's my honor this morning to get a chance just to preach on Sunday. And we're in the middle of a series called Stuck in the Middle. And what we're talking about in this series is how do we navigate the world that we live in that's filled with a lot of tension and challenges with Christian faithfulness. And so what we're doing in this series is we're looking at various passages throughout the Bible that can help us to understand how do we do this well as we seek to honor and follow Christ in our everyday life. This morning we're talking about how the gospel, the good news of Jesus, what Jesus accomplished on the cross, what we celebrate on Easter, is not just that he was a a good role model, but actually on the cross he made salvation available to us because when we place our faith in Jesus and God looks at us, he doesn't see the mistakes we've made. He doesn't see our sin and our rebellion against him. He sees the perfect life of Christ. And the punishment that you and I deserve to pay was paid for on the cross when Jesus Christ said the words, it is finished. And so that's the gospel, the good news, the message of what we believe is the message of the Bible. And one of the things that we're talking about this morning is we're not just partakers in the gospel, meaning we're not just people who are saved by the gospel, but we are ambassadors, ambassadors of the gospel. And as ambassadors, we are called to lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of who he is and what he's accomplished in a broken world. And this is challenging for two reasons. The first reason it's challenging is because the world is hostile to the message of Jesus Christ. There's a hostility towards it. Even Jesus himself in John 15 said, they don't receive me. They don't love me. They're, not, uh, they're hostile towards me. They're going to be the same towards you. But continue to be faithful. So it's challenging because in one hand, the, the message that we are called to lift up, what we are actually an ambassador of, the world is hostile to The second thing is that the kingdom that we belong to, the hope that we have, is not yet fully realized as we long for the second coming of Jesus Christ where he will make all things new. We're ambassadors of a kingdom that theologians have often called that's already not yet, meaning that Jesus has fully accomplished the work of salvation. When Jesus was on the cross and he said the words, it is finished, the price for salvation, the work of salvation was fully accomplished in Christ, and yet, at the same time, it's not yet fully realized as we live between Jesus' first and second coming. God's plan for redemption is still unfolding as we look for him to make all things new in Christ. So in this season, as we're stuck in the middle It's our responsibility to be a people who lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ in the middle of a hostile world and as we long to be with Christ. 
When I was a college student, I had the opportunity of being a part of Florida State in the 2013 years where we were national champions, right? And that was exciting. One person remembers the year. And that was really exciting because there was just a lot of things going on around campus because when the team is going well, the city's alive, it's, it's an amazing time. One of the things that me and my roommates loved to do when we were in college is when uh, college game day would come, we would try to go be a part of college game day. And so even though we were a bunch of guys who considered ourselves pretty macho, we would get a little arts and crafty with the signs because one of the most important things, maybe you're a new freshman, maybe you're not really into sports, one of the most important things about college game day, it's not about listening to analysts, it's about the signs in the background. And me and my friends, we, we knew this. So what we would do is we would actually, you know, make signs. We would either wake up at like 1 a.m. in the morning and wait in line and, and just be surrounded by all sorts of people and smells and lack of sleep and it's just absolutely crazy. Or we just stay up all night to try to get that prime location in the background on college game day. Let, let me tell you what, the things people do to get that spot. And what we do is, you know, you'd be holding up your sign. And back then, you know, we didn't have as much, like, information and technology. So what we would do is we would record it on DirecTV, and then we would go back, and then we would replay it. The seed did our sign make it. And what would happen is you would, like, invest hours and hours. You would skip class. You, I mean, you would be just all in on this thing. And then you would pause it, and you'd get your friends in the room. Come on, guys. Let's go. Come, come on. Come on. Look, there it is. And you're like, where is it? The, the pink sign with the corner right here. Do you see it? Like all that work just for a little corner on college game day. But here's the thing, with all these people holding up signs, that's often how our world is today. People are holding up and lifting up a crowd of signs around us. There's so many different messages that we're constantly receiving. And so we see things like, have you ever met somebody who does CrossFit who talks a lot about CrossFit? In theory. <laughs> Like, have you ever met someone that does CrossFit that doesn't talk about CrossFit? It's probably the better question, right? And so what they do is they're like, man, CrossFit's amazing. Like, you should join CrossFit. CrossFit changed my life. Or like essential oils. They're like, you should buy some of my wife's essential oils. Eucalyptus, lemon, pepper changed my life, man. You should buy some. Or the latest diet, keto, vegan, Whole 30, South Beach, whatever, changed my life. This podcast changed my life. This book, this influencer, on and on and on we go. And it's not that those things are bad, but we just live in a world where people are constantly lifting things up. There's a lot of signs around us. And one of the things that happens is if we actually zoom out from those smaller things, not that any of those things are bad, but if we zoom out from those smaller things, what's actually happening around us in our world is that people are lifting up what's appropriately named as a worldview, a way that we see the world. But it's more than just how we see the world. It's more than just an idea of how something should be. When people hold up a worldview, they're actually holding up a call to worship. Worldviews about worship. Where are we going to place our hope? Where are we going to place our energy? Where are we going to focus and fix our eyes? It's not just a way of seeing things. And this isn't just a struggle for us today in a world where it just feels like there's never-ending messages around us. This is also a struggle for early Christians. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans 1. We'll be looking at verse 16. 
And the same thing was going on with the church in Rome. One of the things that we often do with the Bible is we create a false distance between our lives and the lives of the brothers and sisters in Christ who Paul and the other apostles were writing to. And we say, well, it's just things are so different now. It was so long ago. But the reality is the struggles that these people experienced are very similar to the things that we experienced. In the lives they lived, they're actually very similar to the lives we lived. And even the cities they lived in are very similar to the cities we lived in. This is the city of Rome. It's a, it's a leading city at a time. It's vibrant. It's a lot of different ideologies because people would travel from all different cities and come there and share their beliefs. And this city had a high value on arts and education and even government. And we see in the opening of the letter of Romans that this is a place that Paul longs to be, partly because he wants to be with the brothers and sisters in Christ in the city so that he can strengthen and encourage them and so that he can also learn from them. It'd be a mutually beneficial thing for them to be together but also because these Christians were stuck in the middle of a very strategic city when it comes to the expansion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul knew something really important because in this city where so many people were traveling and all these conversations and people were searching for truth and they were trying to know things, Paul knew that if these brothers and sisters in Christ were faithful to lift up the gospel, that God would move through it. And so he longed to be with them. And right in the opening of the letter, the two verses we're going to look at this morning, verses 16 and 17, many people say this is the perfect summary of the entire letter of Romans. If you've never read the letter of Romans, I encourage you to do that today. You don't have to understand every piece. You don't have to go down theological bunny trails, but you can just read through that letter. It's a beautiful letter that lays out what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. And then in in chapter 12, it says, now this is how we live for him. It's a great letter. But you could sum it up with these two verses. Let's look at them together. Romans 1.16, he says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for it is the righteousness of God that's revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Not ashamed. There's power in the gospel. As we are ambassadors who are called to lift this gospel up in the world, there are are three truths of how that's going to shape our lives, what that's going to look like in our lives and how it's going to shape our lives. The first one is simple, but it's important. It's critical. We are saved by the gospel. Look at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Greek. This is pointing back to how the gospel and God's plan for redemption is seen all through the scriptures. And it starts with the people of Israel, but it opens up in the New Testament as God is drawing Gentiles and people outside of the Jewish tradition to himself. And that word power, when he says the power of God for salvation, is the same word that we actually get the word dynamite from. And Paul is saying, this is, you want to talk about power, we're talking about the power of the gospel. And this points us to the way that God works through the gospel being preached and lifted up. There's an actual power in it. Dwight Moody commented that the gospel is like a lion. All that the preacher needs to do is open the door and and get out of the way. Let the power of the gospel do its work. And this righteousness that Paul's talking about in verse 17, this righteousness that Paul's talking about is not of our power, not of our human power. It doesn't come from our efforts. It doesn't come from our discipline. It doesn't come from our nature. It is given to us through Christ in the power of his gospel. 
This is the righteousness that Paul talks about in Philippians 3, verses 8 through 11. Look at this with me real quick. He says, For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. All of the signs that Paul used to hold up and say, this is what matters, this is what's going to bring you joy, this is what your identity is, this is what your purpose is, all of the things that Paul used to hold up, you know what, I threw the sign to the side. They're rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, me trying to do the right things, follow the rules, be a good enough person but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Look at this verse 10, that I may know him and the power, there it is again, of his resurrection, and I'll share in the sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Even the righteousness that Paul's talking about, this is the power of the gospel. And this is so important for us to understand because the gospel, the fact that we can be made right with God, is not a prize for our efforts. It is not something that we can earn. It is a gift. It was purchased fully by the work of Christ. And here's the thing. It's hard for us to truly grasp that because we live in a prize culture, if you just work hard, if you just do enough things, if you just burn the midnight oil, whatever it is, just go out there, get it, pull yourselves by the bootstraps, be independent, go make a life for yourself, do it yourself, work harder. That's what our culture is constantly telling us. And you know what? Work hard when you go to work. And be the best mom you can be. And be the greatest dad you can be. And don't make excuses for your life. But you need to understand this when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not a prize that we earn. It is a gift that we receive through faith in him. This is one thing we cannot earn. Our righteousness is not even close to enough. I have two daughters. I have a six-year-old and I have a two-year-old. And we live on six acres, and uh, one of the things that I try to do to kind of keep things looking nice is I try to bribe my six-year-old by saying I'll pay her to do different tasks around the property. And if you're a parent, you know you probably do this too. And so we have a lot of sable palms and palm trees, and one of the things with these palm trees, they're beautiful, but every time the breeze goes over five miles an hour, I mean, 20 palms fall on the ground. And they're always out there. So what I'll try to do with my daughter is I'll try to say, hey, like, I'll give you a nickel for every palm that you bring to the fire. Now, to her, you know, she has no concept for how much a nickel is. So to me, it's a pretty good deal, right? Pretty smart. So we kind of have this arrangement. Now, also, like many of you who are parents in the room or you had younger siblings, we have these conversations where when my kids break things, I threaten to make them pay for them. <laughs> you ever have those moments as a parent where you're like, how ridiculous do I look right now? I'm talking to a six-year-old. She doesn't have a job. She, could, she barely knows math. But, like, you know, she'll, she'll do something. Like, she'll, she'll, you know, make a big scratch on a leather couch, and I'll be like, you're going to have to pay for that with your own money. And if you're sitting there, you're going, that's a lot of palms. <laughs> right? And this is what happens with us. We live in a prized culture, and here's the reality. Us thinking that we could somehow earn or pay or provide our own righteousness or salvation is like my six-year-old thinking that if she wrecked the house, she could buy it through just picking up palms. It's not going to happen. Not even close. Not even a little bit. 
But Paul is saying it's not a prize, it's a gift in Christ. It is the power, not our power to earn salvation. It's Christ's power for us. And in verse 17, it says, it's revealed from faith for faith. It's been revealed to us. Once again, not pointing to our own power. We didn't figure it out. We didn't solve it. God revealed the gospel to us. And this also points to how the Lord is the founder and the finisher of our faith. We're dependent on his power from the day we first believe to the day that we die. This is why Paul in Philippians 1 says this, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We need his power in all of it. So the first thing we need to understand is that we are saved by the gospel. We are dependent on on his righteousness and his power in our life. And it's easy for us to dismiss this and to say, you know what, I know that, I've heard that a thousand times, honestly wish I would have slept in and watched TV this morning. But we need to hear it again and again and again because it's not just something that we need to know, it's something that we need to live. It needs to be deeply ingrained within us. Our discipleship pastor, Lance, at the men's gathering on Monday night mentioned the, the classic when you get on the airplane and the person comes over and they explain to you the whole deal with the mask. You've got to put your mask on first before you start saving other people's lives around you. And you know what? We've heard that over and over and everybody's eyes roll. But can you think of a more effective campaign than that? Everyone on a plane knows it. We've heard it a bunch of times. It's internalized. You don't need to tell me again, but it keeps going again and again and again. If I asked you the capital of Connecticut, like 10 of you would know. We heard it once, maybe twice. But there's something about how when we hear things over and over and over again that they've internalized within us. Some of you are thinking, I do know the capital of Connecticut. That's great. This is not geography. (laughs) We need to be reminded. We need it to be ingrained in us. That's what Paul is telling these brothers and sisters in Christ. First and foremost, we are saved by the power of the gospel. The second thing we see is this, that we're called to stand by the gospel. Look at verse 16 again. He says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone. Sometimes when we're studying Paul's letters, we think that Paul was like perceived by everybody as this like rock star because he's such a dynamic person. And we have all these thoughts about probably how Paul was received in different cities like Romans. But like the city of Rome, but, but honestly, Paul, in most Roman citizens' eyes, would be a loser, to be honest with you. I mean, he wasn't married with a perfect family. He didn't have a lot of power. He didn't have a lot of wealth. I mean, look at Paul's ministry after he met Christ on the road to Damascus. I'll just share a few things with you. We don't have time to get into all of them. Paul was in prison for a lot of the letters he wrote. He was an inmate. He was beaten multiple times because people were infuriated with him. He was shipwrecked twice. He was bit by a snake. He complained about being hungry and cold. He had constant rejection. And honestly, as we read Paul's letters about the churches he was involved in, they had some crazy stuff going on. There was a lot of issues in those churches. People in Rome were not looking to Paul as some sort of successful guru to, follow their, to, to give their lives to. Many of them probably pitied Paul for walking around as an ambassador of a man from Bethlehem who died on a cross. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will keep lifting up the gospel and people will continue to be saved, not because of my power, my reputation, how persuasive I am, but because of the power of the gospel. 
And I said this earlier, we're not just partakers. We're not just people who believe the gospel. We're ambassadors of it. We're called to stand firm. We don't just have a savior. We now have a job, a job, a role in all of this. When I was 16 years old, um, I started to work jobs just to try to kind of pay for some of my expensive hobbies, hunting, fishing, things like that. And so I did fencing for a while, and I put up a lot of uh, T-post fence, and I realized very quickly that just wasn't the, the lifestyle for me. It sounds a lot cooler in a country song, to be honest, like hanging out, putting up fencing all day. But in reality, I was alone, I was hot, I was sweating, I was dehydrated, it just wasn't for me. And so uh, somebody reached out and they offered me a job that was uh, given the title human directional, which is a really fancy way of saying a sign guy. And I had this sign for the old Verizon off Monroe Street here. And the sign uh, was a big arrow and it said on it one day only. Now one problem with the sign, just just to say this just for a moment, was that the sale was not one day only and people driving in their cars on Monroe Street have nothing better to do than yell at you and make fun of you when you're that guy. So I'd be holding that sign, people flipping me off, like, you said that yesterday. I'm like, dude, I'm just 16, I'm just holding the sign, bro. And I couldn't even do any flips or anything like that. I was just steady just right here. And I was holding that sign, and I would get paid pretty good for the hour for 16 years old. All my friends would find out I'm working and drive by honking the horns, you know. I was just standing there holding the sign, pointing the arrow, pointing the arrow. This is what we're called to do as ambassadors of Christ. And I want you to understand this, that Paul is not talking just to preachers and teachers in the church. He's talking to all of the church. He wants every man and woman and child within that church who knows Jesus Christ to be an ambassador for him in their neighborhoods, in their workplace, in their friendships, in their classrooms, wherever their sphere of influence is, all of us collectively are pointing people back to Christ as ambassadors of him. This is what Paul is calling them to do and and to, to stand firm even when it's hard and they're stuck in the middle. I've been a part of this church since I was 16 years old. I love this church Here's the biggest struggle, the biggest challenge that that can happen in churches like this is that people can just get to where they're just coming through the doors and sitting in services and they're intaking and they're intaking and there's no outwork. And spiritual health is a lot like physical health. You know, physical health, you need to intake the right things and you need to exercise. You need to outtake and do the right things. Spiritual health is the same thing. We want you to come in and sing songs that are rich with truth and be encouraged by hearing one another sing. We want you to come in and look at the word of God as it's preached and learn and grow. And we want you to build great community and friendships, but we don't want you just to come in and intake and intake and no outwork. We want you to intake, and also to be an ambassador who is working out the truth that you know in your city. So how do we do this? How do we, how do, we do this as we're stuck in the, the middle? Well, the answer is in this passage as well. Because it's not just the power to save, it's also the power for all Christian obedience. Back to the passage, Romans 1, 16 through 17, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the, power of, uh, it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Now look at this, verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live their daily lives by faith. Paul's quoting Habakkuk when he says the righteous will live by faith. And this talks about the gospel doesn't just change our eternity, but it also changes how we live today. It's not just something that that motivates us towards an end goal, but it also motivates the entirety of our lives. 
This is what Paul was trying to point them to and continue to drive them through. Obedience in our personal lives, but also obedience as ambassadors who tell other people about Jesus. And the truth is, when it comes to our personal lives and trying to make the gospel evident and known in our personal lives, it's really challenging. The reason it's challenging is because we're stuck in the middle. Ourselves, we're stuck in the middle because we're forgiven in Christ and we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit and God promises that he's making us more and more like Jesus, but we still struggle with sin and hypocrisy ourselves. So we're stuck in the middle of that tension. And we're also stuck in the middle of we're surrounded by a bunch of crazy people in the world, ourselves included, people who do the wrong things, say the wrong things, hurt us. And so when it comes to actually living out the gospel in our lives, it becomes really challenging But here's one of the things, the righteous shall live by faith, that that power is there for our daily Christian life. So because we are forgiven in Christ in the gospel, we're now free to forgive others. Really? Him? Do you know what he did? Do you know who he is? I'm not going to forgive him. And you know what, I'm not saying we shouldn't have boundaries and barriers with people and there's not consequences for things they do. But I'm saying the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that we have been forgiven in Christ. Paul would say in Romans that while we were enemies of Christ, he died for us. Because God has forgiven us, we are free to forgive other people. That's one of the ways we're ambassadors of Christ. While we were loved in Christ, now we're free to love others. Even the hard ones, especially the hard ones. The people who are difficult to love. I'm not saying you got to go on family vacation with them. We're called to love because we've been loved by a God who loves us, even when we were very unlovable as we rebelled against him. We have a Savior who endured persecution and was mocked and ridiculed. We're free to not have to live for the approval of everybody else, to not have to always seek the path of least resistance. We are free to stand firm for the gospel of Jesus Christ, even when it's difficult, knowing that our Savior knows that feeling changes us. And it's easy for us to think that the good news of Jesus Christ is almost like a kind of affects the destination of our life, like where we'll be in eternity. It does. But we kind of treat it like a GPS kind of input coordinate, you know? Like, okay, at the end of my life, I'm going to be with Jesus because of the gospel. Now I'm just going to kind of live my life. But the truth is that the gospel is the vehicle that all life happens in. We rest in it. We're dependent in it. All of our life, all of our movement, everything that we're doing is fully dependent on the gospel of Christ. I've heard it said it's not the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A through Z. There is nothing more than that in Christ and what he's done. We're saved by it. We're grown through it. And if we keep reading this letter, we see this urgency of what Paul is talking about because I don't want you just to preach the gospel. I want you to be an ambassador of the gospel in every way. In Romans 12, he would say, I want you to present your life as a living sacrifice, all of it before the Lord, saying, Lord, use all of it, my relationships, my hobbies, my friendships, my work, my neighbor, wherever you place me, Lord, let it all be for you. So how do we how do we do that? How, what does this look like? Three simple takeaways as we wrap up our time together. Number one, we got to remember the power of the gospel. We have to remind ourselves again and again and again. Because we're chronic forgetters. We're forgetful people. So we have to have rhythms in our life. Sunday mornings as the word is preached, reminding us of the gospel. 
our own time in the Scripture, reminding us of the Gospel as all of the Scripture points us to it. Our city groups where we're talking and we're encouraging each other, we're even pointing each other, we're being ambassadors for one another, saying, remember what you believe in Christ. Because sometimes in life, things get really difficult and you start saying to yourself, nobody loves me and no one cares for me and nothing's going my way. And your brother and sister in Christ can look at you and say, you are loved by God. Who cares if you didn't get the promotion? Who cares if this relationship didn't work out? Who cares what happened in the past? You are loved by the only one who truly matters, the creator of the universe, the Alpha and Omega. God himself has loved you and called you his own. We need to be ambassadors in each other's life. We need to remember it because we forget so easily. The second thing is we need to remain firm in the message of the gospel. As ambassadors, we have to continue to lift it up. I was never very good at school. School wasn't really my thing, especially math wasn't my thing. And I remember in math class, they would do this cruel thing. And some of you teachers, you probably still do this today. It should be, it should be banned. We'll work on some policy later. And they'd do this thing where they'd be like, how many of you think the answer is 14? Raise your hand, right? If a bunch of people raise their hand around me, I'm going to raise my hand. Yeah, 14, did it, got it all here. I'll, I'll, I'll save you the, the time of the work I did to figure it out. But yeah, 14 for sure. And then they go, well, if you said 14, you're wrong. And what do you do? You're like, ah, I wouldn't raise my hand, dude. I was just stretching, you know. Just try to pull it down real quick so nobody sees us. Like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't on the wrong answer there. I was just kind of, uh, yeah. Classic, classic kid move in school. The, the truth is we do this with our faith too. Like on Sunday mornings, we can show up, we're like, whoo, you know, holding it up, baby. Jesus, you know, praise God today. But what happens when things start getting hard? People start pushing in a little bit. We start feeling a little bit of challenge. You know what we start doing? We start going from like Jesus to like, ah, yeah, mm-hmm. And Paul's saying, stand firm. Don't be ashamed. Don't pull your arm down. Don't pretend like you're a part of something else. Remember what Christ has done for you and stand firm in him. We have to remain firm in the message. And the third thing is this, to rely on the gospel for Christian living. All of it. It's hard. It is. And you know what? The beautiful thing is we are fully loved and accepted in Christ. And so now the obedience that we pursue in our life isn't to earn God's love. It's in response to it. We're free to do it. But the same gospel that saves us is the same gospel that allows us to take every single step along the way. That person you think you can't forgive, that, that situation you think you can't get out of, that struggle you think you can't overcome, whatever it is, the gospel, the same gospel that saved you is the same gospel that can help you continue to grow in Christian obedience. Paul writes this letter to the Church of Rome because he knows the impact and the power it can make if a group of Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, not just people with microphones and stages, we're talking about people in the marketplace, we're talking about people in their neighborhoods, we're talking about people with their families, if they will lift up the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not because we have perfect lives, it's not because we know all the answers and we can answer every question about the age of the earth and debate people, it's not because of that, it's because of this simple fact, when we lift up the gospel, it has power in itself. So what would it look like as a church if we continue to do that? That's why we gather. That's why this church was started by Pastor Dean 15 years ago. It wasn't so that we could listen to better music, although we have amazing music. It wasn't so that we could have any of those things. It was so that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be lifted up in a city that we believe is incredibly strategic. We have uh, 80,000 college students who are going to go change the world one day. The question is, are they going to change it for Christ or not? 
We have the state capital of Florida right here. This is a strategic place. What would it look like for us to lift up the gospel the way that Paul is calling the church of Rome to? It's our prayer for you. It's our prayer for our, for our church. Thank you guys for joining us this morning. I'm going to pray and we're going to sing one more song together. God, we're so grateful that we're not saved through our own efforts and that it's not relying on our power, our work. Father, we're grateful that salvation is a gift in you. Father, I pray that for those in this room right now that don't know you, that they wouldn't leave today without having a conversation with somebody about what it means to place their faith in you. And Father, I pray for us in this room who sometimes struggle to lift up the gospel or feel often ashamed. Father, we pray that you would give us boldness and a firmness in the world that needs it. Father, we're grateful that we have this opportunity to gather together as a regular rhythm and to study your word and to sing your truth. And we ask that you just continue to bless this church. Father, we're grateful for this time we have together, and we ask that you bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing.